Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Star Sound Speaks. This is your host, Irliana Samsara, session 160. And I'm so excited because we have Sharon Knight from the UK with us. Hello, Sharon. Hello, everybody. It's good now, to be here. Now, to, to honor the fact that we have the UK astrologer is in the house. So I have, I didn't have, unfortunately, I did not have any nice English bone teacups to have tea with Sharon, but um, I did have this nice. <laughs> bone china plate and it's like violets I guess or forget-me-nots or something so and then of course we have to with royal fanfare this is my my royal trumpet which looks surprisingly like a paper towel roll but let us give you a here comes Sharon Knight as you can tell the Leo is in the house <laughs> all right enough of that <laughs> snapping at the heels of the aries yeah right <laughs> oh boy so um yeah so let me let me give you guys um a proper uh, give sharon a proper introduction so let me just pull that up okay who is sharon sharon has worked as a qualified astro a professional astrologer for 30 years she began her studies with the world-renowned Faculty of Astrological Studies up to diploma level before qualifying as a qualified QHP, qualified horary professional with Olivia Barclay. She gained her MA in Cultural Astronomy and Astrology in 2004. She's a fellow of the Association of Professional Astrologers International and has been a chair of the association for over a decade. Uh, Sharon's got her own course teaching professional, traditional professional astrology and is also a tutor and um, convener for the QHP course in Horari Astrology. In 2016, Sharon won the coveted Astrologer of the Year Award in India. Um, she's one of the few astrologers worldwide to have, corrected, uh, to have correctly predicted Donald Trump's victory in 2016, although she did get it wrong in 2020. We, you know, us astrologers, we can't always get everything right. We, we do our best, um, as well as Brexit. Uh, she got that right. And David Cameron uh, becoming prime minister as well and other mundane predictions. So in the past, she's taught astrology at adult education classes and has spoken at various conferences in the UK and overseas. She's written columns for various women's magazines, newspapers and astrological journals. And for 10 years has had a regular slot on the radio discussing astrology and world events. Um, and our website is www.astrologersharon.co.uk. So, yay. Oh, that was... <laughs> That's quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you certainly a, a woman of accomplishment. So, you know, before we begin with our, our chat, we're going to talk today, uh, everybody, about, um, of course, we're in the eclipse season. We're on, right in the shadow of the solar eclipse in Taurus. And so I'd, we're going to get Sharon's take on that, and especially too with the royal family, because this is obviously this eclipse is showing up very, very, very strongly in Queen Elizabeth's, Prince Charles, um, and such, and especially, and um, and so you know they've certainly been in, in the news so much, and so what that might look like for the UK, and you know, and when the mundane and the collective of what we can learn from this eclipse, and um, and then we might you know spin off into some other. Uh, you know, maybe perhaps, you know, what we see for the, what Sharon, what you're feeling for the rest of the year. So, um, yeah, so having said that, um, there was something else I was going to say, but I can't remember. Oh, anyway, it'll come back. Oh, I know. Um, I always ask people, you know, how is it that you found astrology or, or how did astrology find you? Well, it, it's like everybody, I think. First of all, I came in through sun sign astrology. So although so many astrologers discredit sun sign astrology, it was Linda Goodman's book. When I was about 16, it was either a birthday or Christmas present. And I devoured that book. And for, well, not quite a decade, but for many years, I thought that was what astrology was. And it was great because when I went to parties, I could look at someone and say, oh, you're a Pisces, you're a Sag. And they go, wow, you know, how do you do that? And in, I think in uh, 82 or 83, I moved to the States. I lived in Texas and sort of commuted between Texas and LA. 
And I don't think I paid for a meal or a drink during that time because I'd say to people, well, you know, obviously you're a Pisces, the way you walk. And they go, hey, have a drink, tell me more. Oh, so that, I love it. <laughs> how, to, how, to, how to travel for free. <laughs> yeah, just using sun sign astrology. And it was when I came back from the States, basically, um, somebody did my chart. And I thought, wow, there's more to this than I realized. And fortunately, I was then able to go to, I was living in London at the time, and we had what were known as adult education evening classes. And they cost, you know, it wasn't expensive. And so I would go Monday to the Astrological Lodge, which is still going. Right. Um, I think it was a Tuesday to a class in Fulham, Wednesday to another class, and Thursday to another class. So that's, wow. once astrology got me, it got me. Every day of the week yeah. was like, wow. Yes. And, what, and your friends, were, were they like, Oh my God, Sharon, you know, <laughs> what friends, happened? what friends? I didn't have any friends. I was too busy studying astrology. <laughs> wow. Wow. That really, yeah. And how long did that go on for like years? And it oh, just years. Kept and oh, years. I mean, I still get, well, I, I now, I speak at the lodge. Um, right. So yeah, yeah still connected with the lodge after 30, 30 something years. And in here, I just want to show everybody, here's, here's the, uh, oh. there's your book that started it all. Yeah. I remember this. It says, it says on the top, worldwide bestseller, 250,000 copies sold. And this is, this definitely shows you the age of this book, sold at $7.50. We <laughs> can't even get a used book for that. Complete and unabridged. How to really know, you know, it, of course, it had to be popularly attuned. How to know yeah. your husband, wife, ch lover, child, boss, employee, yourself through astrology. And that still holds, of course. And uh, yeah, so anyway, just wanted to share that with people. And, you know, some there's so many young people and, and new millennials and Gen Z, you know, that are into astrology. And it's it, it's cool to show where were the popular roots of that, you know, a generation yeah. ago and uh, yeah, how we've evolved. So um, you're, you are a traditional astrologer. So uh, for those people who are new to the channel, uh, maybe you could share, you know, what is traditional astrology as opposed to modern astrology? Well, traditional astrology just focuses on the seven naked eye planets, the planets that were used by literally by the ancients, by the Sumerians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, everything stopped at Saturn. Saturn was the gatekeeper between the known and the unknown and sort of the dangerous out there world. Um, but the thing is, when I started studying astrology, there wasn't traditional astrology. It was all modern psychological astrology. And one of the big influences, were, it was Howard Sportus. You know, he was, he was very big with his book, Rob Hand with his, um, whatever it was he wrote then. It, it, was on, it was only in the 90s, in the early 90s, that the focus came from America on traditional astrology. However, having said that, when I was at one of these wonderful evening classes, one of my tutors, and in fact, my main mentor was Mike Edwards, who sadly passed on. And he was a classicist and he read Bernati in the Latin, Guido so yeah. yeah, so his his teachings were mostly predicated on Bernati's work, and um, and then of course Olivia with William Lilly, who was seventeenth century mid mid sixteen hundreds, right? And what what happened? I was yeah, it's Christian Christian astrology, and it's. It's still an incredible book. But what, what happened here in England with the faculty coming out of the, the, the office, can't say it, my teeth won't work. Theosophical. <laughs> Theosophical. <laughs> Thank you. Theosophical society. Right. Um, it, was, it was quite different to the tradition. 
And uh, I studied with the faculty, as I say, up to diploma. And then on one of my papers, I made the mistake of using Bernati stroke Lily viewpoint. And, and my paper came back with a big red cross through it. And I thought, uh-uh, this, this is where I stopped the modern and go strictly traditional. So I was, I was fortunate because I was taught personally by Olivia. And then I wow. became one of her tutors. And then, of course, Olivia said, you've got to support this new thing that's coming out of America, Project Hindsight or Hat." And uh, that was the three, Rob, Rob Hand, Rob Zoller and Rob and Schmidt. Schmidt. Um, and thank you, Olivia, because I've got all these little books and I would read them. I didn't understand them and I had nobody I could discuss them with, but I still tried. And, uh, and eventually, when I met Rob Zoller in person, when he came to the UK and I started with him, I think it was 94, 95, I then dropped the outer planets, even though Rob still taught the outer planets. And it was with the wonderful Ben Dykes um, mm -hmm. in probably 2005, 2006, he came to England and I was chatting to him. And uh, he said, you, you've got to go cold turkey, go whole house signs. Right. So, so for those who don't know the difference, we have the quadrant-based system with which most people are familiar, which is Placidus Regimontanus. But the whole house sign is similar to equal houses. So the sign where the ascendant falls that in, in its entirety becomes the first house and so you go by the awesome. by the signs as it says yeah yeah so so that was it That's and i found it. things worked i i find things work a lot better there's such a clarity and a precision i know my my hellenistic astrology teacher achita bavadas you know he says there's an elegance to it and he said it's also stunningly accurate and that's the only words I, and I was already feeling drawn to it you know after 20 years of modern astrology uh, and then when he said you know st uh, the elegance and the it's like the sacred geometry of the planets you you really you see it from it, it, its fullness so yeah I'm I, I'm on board there man I just changed my life really did but um anyway so um moving on to the uh, the eclipses. Yeah, here we are. It's Friday. Um, no, it's not. Is it? No, it's Thursday. Thursday. It's Thursday. <laughs> and we're, you know, two, two days away from the solar eclipse, our first solar eclipse in Taurus. And I just wanted to get your take on uh, what you think. Um, this one has really intrigued me. And um, I can even pull up the, um, the chart for the solar eclipse. Actually, we could yeah, put the chart up. Yeah, and, and we can uh, look at that. Let's see. It's let me just give me a moment here, just a second. I'm going to pause this for a second. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen. And here we've got the charts for Queen Elizabeth, which would be this chart for all those watching. Let me get this a little bit bigger. And, um, and then the outer ring is the um, eclipse that is happening on, um, on Saturday at um, British time, it would be 9.28 p.m. So Saturday evening in Britain and about uh, late afternoon in the East Coast of the US. So uh, what, what is the thing that is really uh, calling you most about this eclipse? What does this suggest uh, to you, Sharon? Like say well, for, for the Queen's chart. Yeah, the, this, this starts the trigger, but the 16th of May eclipse is the one which really hits home and of course the first thing that one notices when the chart set for London is that the ascendant is very close to her Saturn MC point so that's that's top of the heap as it were um and it which is right here yeah the ascendant yes. is 23 Scorpio and her her Saturn is 24 so and that's and her, for London England. yeah yeah, and the and south her, node. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and her MC is 25 Scorpio. So right. it's, it's a highly visible eclipse. And 
I think 19, maybe 1992, 1993 was her Annus Horribilis when this, this eclipse family was sort of in circulation then mm. and that's of course when there was the fire at Windsor Castle it it hit her home point the IC point and and that when Lady Di and Prince Charles and were Prince Charles and Princess Anne all three children announced their separation that year now uh, again so we're kind of in the Saturn return of that yeah. Year. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's major change. And that's the South Node being the, the falling away, the decrease, the falling away of Scorpio, you know, power and the way it's been and that that whole rigid, <clears throat> the structure of it. We've And we've been seeing this, of course, for a long time, but the fact that it's hitting home, Saturn, yeah, she, think about the monarchy yeah. and yeah. Well, she's, she's 96 now. And... Um... So she's in what's known as a first house perfection. That's a, a traditional timing, time lord technique. So and things, the first house rules the physical body, you know. Yes. So yeah. It's um it's 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 quite telling. I mean, there's I could just I could rattle on for hours about the Queen and the royal family and the eclipses and the zodiacal releasing, which affects all her children and her grandchildren. I mean, it really does show. Mm. So I, I've, I've speculated on my blog thing that we could actually see a change in Prince Charles's status. Now, you know, it's pretty darned obvious. She is 96. So common sense has to play a part in any, everything we say. But the, the telling thing was the fact that at Easter, she couldn't make in person any of the services. And we know she's a devout Christian. Excuse me, I'm gonna cough. <coughs> and, um, and also she is so supremely conscious of being visible to the people of the country. So yeah, when I the wonder- the figurehead starts not yeah. showing up in public, it's time. Yeah. So I wondered if there would be moves afoot to make Prince Charles Prince Regent, as happened with Prince George in, um, was it 18, 18 something? I've, I actually have got the charts. Yes, 1811, when, when the title of Prince Regent was first conferred. And it's interesting how this eclipse picks up that chart for the 5th of February, 1811. Very interesting. Oh, this eclipse picks up that has resonance with the chart where I didn't know that. Is that yeah. the same Soros eclipse family? I I haven't looked to see which family it was in. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I haven't gotten my Bernadette Brady Eagle and Lark out yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I haven't. It was it was just I I was I as we do as astrologers. You you get something in your head, and. Um, and there's got to be a change. I mean, we know there's going to be a change in the next five years. If, if we go on the length of life of her mother, she was, I think, 102 when, yeah. when, when the Queen Mother passed away. And one of the things, I don't know if it's Ptolemy or, or um, Abu Mishar, instructs us for length of life, you've got these various techniques, but you have to look at the genetics. It's you have to look at the family, the background to the people, how if they're in a good, comfortable, warm place with plenty of food. And that goes back to Hippocrates in on airs, waters and places. He says the same thing. If you want to understand how well somebody will live, then you must look at their parental background and the waters they drink, the air they imbibe and the food that they consume through their life. Mm. So, um, yeah, that's so sort of, I've slightly gone off tangent, no, okay. as it were. That's, a, that's it, fascinating, though. But it, it is, there is longevity. We know Prince Philip, 99, and his mother, um, what was she, Princess Alice, 
and yes. the queen's aunts they lived in they lived to the very long century so yeah. it's quite likely her majesty can be with us you know please god um for a good few more years yet but if she is now going to be out of sight as happened with um the prince regent who i think became george the fourth then prince charles has to take over got to step I in mean, at some point yeah. yeah nobody nobody lives forever and things have to yeah the fact so, that yeah I'm, I'm sorry go ahead no no i was just going to say so that's that's what set me off on the tangent of looking back to see when the position of prince regent was created and conferred and it was the sun in aquarius at 27 degrees jupiter who was Jupiter also, we forget Jupiter, Jove is, is king of the Greek gods. Right. And, it, so. and he is at 23 Taurus, opposite Prince Charles's son. And this eclipse 23 or four Taurus, the, the 16th of May eclipse. Uh, 23, 24, oh, Scorpio. Yeah, Lunar. Taurus Scorpio. Yeah, yeah the yeah. Taurus Scorpio axis activates that. Yes. Yeah. So and it, it's it's a matter of yeah, just a matter oh, it, of time. It, it gets even better than that because in the Prince Regent chart, Mars is on 22 Scorpio. So we've got Jupiter and Mars mm. opposite each other in the Prince Regent chart, um, conferring of the title. And we've got this eclipse picking it up. Now I know you know we've had similar eclipses before. And Really, what I should have done, perhaps, is looked at when Charles was invested as the Prince of Wales, his investiture right. date, because I'm sure that will pick up right has on, on that theme. Sure, yeah, it's, the cycles that I think that's one of the most fascinating things about astrology that the general public is just now waking up to is that, like you were saying earlier, Sharon, it's way beyond the sun sign. That's the sun sign is what some people call it's the gateway drug, sun sign horoscopes. Yeah. <laughs> and you want more and you go down the rabbit hole and you see these cycles of time that go over and over, further and further out, like the sorrow cycles. My goodness, when I first started reading Bernadette Brady's book, The Eagle and the Lark, I, I was blown open that I didn't know that eclipses were in cycles, sorrow cycles. And there it's like rings of a tree, you know, and there's this and they all have this unique energy signature. And uh, yeah, so um, it's just, um, you know what? Let me, I'm gonna go grab my book. I'm just be right back. I wanna see what sorrow cycle. I can't believe I haven't looked at that yet. <laughs> no, me neither. Okay, you yeah. get your book and I'll pour out some more tea. tea okay, <laughs> be right back. Okay, everyone, I've got my book. By the way, if, you, if you're interested in eclipses, I cannot recommend this book more highly, it is called Predictive Astrology, The Eagle and the Lark. Bernadette Brady is a very highly esteemed astrologer and um, she wrote Brady's Book of Fixed Stars. She's a legend like Sharon and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm hardly a legend, but she is a goddess of astrology. She is a goddess of astrology. Well, you are too, Sharon. So <laughs> yeah, not on her level. So. Um, the uh, yeah predictive astrology the eagle and the lark and what it talks about is um she delineates eclipses so she she you know gives the it's a really it's a whole deep dive into this but the eclipse cycles are all uh, according to it's called the sorrows series so it's a very deep subject so i'm, I'm not going to get fully into this but the, at the back of the book in the appendix she has a listing of all these uh, the the, the um, eclipses are all grouped according to the cycles, and it has to do with has as they move up and down the from North Pole to South Pole. And what most people don't realize is that not only do eclipses belong to or families of eclipses, it's like having tribes or clans, but they also have a unique energy imprint, and they last for thousands of years. Like the eclipse cycle that this one coming up on Saturday. Um, that this that cycle is um, it, it's an eclipse cycle that started in the year 850 AD. 
you know, it's like thousands. And then it won't end for another like 70 years. So this is what we would call a waning eclipse cycle. Um, and then a new cycle starts, you know, so it's, it's this beautiful rhythm in the cycles of time that happen over thousands of years. Uh, so it's just to me fascinating. Um, this says here, this, this is what Bernadette says, uh, this family of eclipses, so this is the solar eclipse, uh, is concerned with the individual's relationship to father figures, authority figures, or the need to take responsibility and control. This is a time to accept, talk about Prince Charles here. This is a time to accept the commitments that are presented, commitments which would occur due to another person's illness or another person's unreliability. Nailed go. it. Nailed it. Yeah. yeah but the other thing with eclipses is that, uh, as with history, it's not linear, it's in spirals or ellipses. It, it, they go round and round and round and round and right. out into the wide blue yonder. Out into the wide blue yonder. Or as I like to say that um, I, I heard this from somebody, you know, history doesn't repeat itself, but it damn well rhymes. You know, so we could say that. Of, uh, I know the one that brought COVID was about there is a sense of traumatic transformation and loss and that Mercury was a very key player in that sorrow cycle of eclipses. And you think about Mercury, the lungs, the respiratory, you know, the, yeah. the, the air, you know, reaching the masses and, you know, there was COVID was, that's yeah. when, exactly when it happened. So, yeah, we definitely pay attention to... Um, to that um yeah so so there's that eclipse and then maybe we could let's let's pull up um oh let me sorry i have to put you back, back on share screen so let me get that here and let's look at um the uh do you want to look at the solar eclipse or what would you oh, like? <clears throat> i mean uh, sorry the lunar the the lunar i think is quite interesting because although Okay. As it, as it were, in the UK, neither of these eclipses are going to be, well, in fact, the lunar eclipse is visible just in the UK, just visible across Europe, because in the older writings, I think, as we may have said, unless an eclipse was visible, it, it wasn't deemed to be such an event. I mean, they knew, they knew their eclipse cycles, but a visible eclipse. If they couldn't see it in their own was, homeland. Yeah. If you, could see, if you could see an eclipse, it's literally an eclipse is shutting the light out of the sun or the moon. And um, so if the light was dimmed in the heavens, it meant it was dimmed over that part of the earth where the eclipse could be seen. So it was more potent. And sure. this eclipse, this lunar eclipse, can just be seen in the UK. And of course, immediately what strikes us is the queen, the, the moon, who is queen of the night, is right on the queen's MC degree, which is the, it's the part that everybody sees. It's the, it's the top of the sails coming over the horizon. Right. And and there it's it is, ascendant exactly yeah. on the 25 degrees, almost, yeah. look, it's within nine minutes of yeah. that. I mean, my goodness, there it is, folks. So that's, that's really, I mean, that you, know, you, you see that and you just go like, wow. And then the fact, obviously, that the sun, the light of life is down below. Right. And it's in, in the house of her children. We've got all these planets. Yes. in the house of her children, both with the solar eclipse, because the fifth sign or house is related to children, to childbirth, to creativity, and to ambassadors, which is uh, another, another title attributed to the fifth house. Ambassadors, and, I didn't know that. Yeah, ambassadors and legates. Legate. So, okay. yeah, um, as well as gambling and all, all the fun things that fun, we like right. to all the indulge things. in. <laughs> right. For better but, or worse. Gambling, yeah. risk taking. Yeah. Yeah. So um so that's, pursuits. 
very pleasurable pursuits. And then as, as astrologers, when so once people get into astrology, you see the eclipse and then you look at the planets involved that are said to rule or disposit right. the sign. So we look at Mars and we look at Venus because the sun is in Taurus, ruled by Venus. And although moderns would take it uh, Pluto for Scorpio, I, I take it, traditionally takes it as Mars. Mars. And Mars, Mars and Venus have got um, what's known as a mixed reception. So they're working together, but they can't see one another because they're in the next door signs. Right, the blind spot. And yeah, there's a blind spot. So Venus is in Aries, so she's hot, feisty, passionate, get out there and get dancing. Whereas Mars is in Pisces, so it's a little bit cooler, a little bit more, hmm, let's see how the tide flows, let's That's see what happens. And so he's not, he's not so gung-ho to get out there and, and shake the world up. So it's, um, it, it does look an interesting eclipse. And then when we put that eclipse with Prince Charles's chart, we have a very similar picture. All right, let's see what we got here. Let me bring up Prince Charles's chart. <clears throat> Just give me a moment here. Charles, where are you, Charles? There you are. No, Prince of Wales. Here we go. Prince of Wales, yeah. And the eclipse is, oops, all right, dipping the clock now, and the eclipse. There it is. So we can see with the solar eclipse, it's very close to his moon and obviously Her Majesty's sun because right. they have a sun-moon conjunction, she and, and Prince Charles. And it's happening in his angular 10th house, which is a very important, you know, the public image. And if we think that the sun traditionally stands for the king, Yes. And the moon traditionally stands for the queen. So here we've got a king and queen, or that we have a king in waiting, and we have a remarkable queen who is fixed because Taurus is what's known as a fixed earth sign. They don't go anywhere in a hurry unless it's after cake, which goes <laughs> right. quite quickly. And Venus rules unless it's after cake. <laughs> <laughs> and and the one again the positive with this is the fact that venus who as we said earlier is the ruler of taurus she is sitting in the lap of jupiter the right king of the gods yeah within in, two in, minutes two minutes yeah. look at that 27 I mean, degrees late pisces the, the gods right and the royal, yeah. you know entitled privileged life and yeah, in the yes. eighth house here for, yeah. for Charles's eighth house, which is eighth house. Tell us what the eighth house is. For those the of you who are new to astrology. The eighth house, we'll start off with the nice side, is can be the assets of partners or those you're in business with. So it can show how good their money is. It's also known as the house of mortality. And it's a house of fear and trepidation. So in, in mundane astrology, which is looking at global events, the, the eighth house signifies the mortality rate. So I'm not, that's, that's, as, that's what I'll say about the eighth house. In, mundane, in um, mundane, it's the mortality rate of a country. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As well as the assets of partners, those, one, those we're in partnership with. So, um, I mean, that, that's quite a pleasant Jupiter and Venus, and Jupiter rules the eighth because in traditional astrology, he is the owner of Pisces. So in modern astrology, they have Neptune. Oh, and Neptune is there. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, I don't. I don't look at these. I, so right. I know. Like, it's uh -oh. a bit of a. It's a bit of a surprise to me to see that that Neptune's right there on the descendant mm -hmm. of of the eclipse in his eighth house, and of course, the descendant was the descendant into the underworld. Underworld. Yeah. And it is so, just a few minutes into the underworld. He's yeah. Just passed. And and of course his son has a trine, a separating trine to that. So a trine, a trine is when planets are in the same element. So Prince Charles's son is in the water element. So anything in Pisces will also reflect back to his son, and anything in Cancer will reflect back to his son. Pretty amazing. It is amazing, and it tells a see, whole. It, it really does. It, it does tell a whole story. Um, you, and when you I, look at, yeah, go on. Oh, I was going to say, you know, and then there's always the, uh, you know, I think about Venus and glamour and such and, and beauty and glamour. And so the shadow side of this there, uh, you know, with unfortunately, you know, like when you think about being uh, illusion or delusional or, you know, Venus and Jupiter together in Pisces, um, you know, uh, and then I, I know that you don't see Neptune, but, um, you know, I, I just, I, I have my settings there and I forgot to change them back for your conversation. So, mesopologie. <laughs> I, I forgive you. I forgive you. Because it was certainly here in the UK. I'm in a minor minority, if there can be such a thing with traditional astrology. Don't um, tell uh, Benjamin Dykes that you did. I won't say anything if you don't say anything. <laughs> no, I won't. I won't because I adore Ben. Benjamin. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, the other thing with this is that Prince William's chart, his Venus is at 25 Taurus. So it is conjunct Algol, pretty close you know, to Algol. Yeah. So we're, we're getting a whole theme with him. And um, and I'm not sure about Prince George. Prince oh, George. Little, little Prince, yeah. I mean, it does. I, I'm wondering about like Lady Diana's chart because, you know, that, that resonated when she, yeah. you know, when Harry got mm. engaged to Meghan. Uh, she, yeah, you know it, her fifth house. You know the eclipses were in her fifth house. So mm. yeah, it's 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 really um, mind blowing to see how our lives are spelled out across all of our our loved ones' charts. That it's just a constant, incredible, as Achuta said, is this stunning uh, reflection and this uh, the interplay of all of these parts and how they all this, you know, I would say divine intelligence that, that it, it's, yes, it's the divine, it's the divine dance of the planets across a family's DNA. I mean, so often, you know, when you get, if you've got family trees and you've got sort of fairly good birth times going back, invariably you will find there is a thread running all the way through. And, and we certainly see it because we know with the royal family, their birth times are hopefully accurately recorded. Oh, yeah. And, and we, we see this whole Taurian emphasis all the way through with, with our Queen, with Prince Charles, or Taurus Scorpio axis, I should more correctly say. And right, George has got Saturn in Scorpio. And his descendant is 27 Taurus. There it is. So that's, that's Prince George of Cambridge. Right. And there were the lunar eclipse was at 27 Taurus. So his home life was getting changed with all this. I just felt to uh, look at the sorrows for the lunar eclipse. Yeah. And I find that, um, oh, here's solar, solar. Um, I scribbled in these pages. Oh, I, you know, are these only solars in the back of this book? I guess, no, I don't have it handy, but um, <clears throat> the sorrow cycle for that, I'd have to look it up, but just um, curious. Let me, did I pull up this? Yeah, I did pull up the um, the solar eclipse. Yeah. For, um, let's see, screen. Whoopsie. Oh, 
I, I, um, hold on a second. Okay, I've got the, here's Prince William's chart. In, uh, and then the eclipse, this is the Saturday's eclipse on his chart. So as, as we can see, it's happening in his sixth. These eclipses are his sixth and 12th houses, which are considered difficult. I, like, I don't like to say bad houses, but <laughs> they're the, the two most difficult houses in traditional astrology, the sixth and the 12th. Can you talk a little bit about that, Sharon? Well, these are the houses that are out of sight of the ascendant. So they are a different element when you're using whole house signs. Right. And they're a different element to the sign on the ascendant. So straight away, we've got sort of a disconnect between the male and female energies. I think that's probably the easiest way to describe it. And the 12th house is the house of secrets and spies. And in many textbooks, it's also referred to as the house of self undoing. And it's because you right. can't really see what's going on. They're, they're in the dark, those mm -hmm. two houses. And the sixth house is the house of servitude. I mean, I know that's not a, a popular term, but the fact is majority of us are in servitude to someone because we have to earn a salary. We have to keep a roof over our heads. So we serve somebody with our services somehow. So that's that's the sixth house, but it's also the house of dis-ease. So people say it's the house of ill health. It's not really ill health as such. It's more when the body is out of tune, which is a dis-ease and actually the word dis-ease comes from Astarte from the stars so yeah um and again because you haven't got a direct line of sight to the ascendant any planets placed in the sixth or the twelfth house they they can do their own thing they can party all night long and the person who rules the first house is saying, well, come on, where are you? You know, you you should be in bed by now. And they're saying, <laughs> going to party. And then they get a headache and a hangover the next day if they drink. Right. And that, that's why the sixth house and the twelfth house is the house of self-undoing and dis-ease. So here's, for those of you who are just, you know, talking about aversion and the blind spot. So here's the first house. It's just like driving the boat. And then the fact that these houses... This axis here is cannot be seen. It's kind of like when you're driving your car and you've got that blind spot. You know something's there, but you can't see it. It's not like the car behind you, the car ahead, the car to the side, you can see, but then there's that little, uh -uh, and that's where this is happening for Prince William. So what might that look like in terms of this, you know, the changeover, the, the changing of the guard? It doesn't well, look like it would be an easy ride for him. No, I, I don't think it will be because their grandmother has been such a vital force in the prince's lives since they lost their mother. I think that there's absolutely no doubt about the deep love both Prince William and Harry have right. for the for, queen for the, uh... and that she has for them. Um, and of course, the mother. Yeah. yeah, you know, to, to well, is, that's pointless going into that's a waste of time. But um, the, the fact of the matter is that Venus and Jupiter, the two benefics, as they're known, so they're the planets of good fortune, are both out of sight. Right. So it, it's difficult for him to manage. I mean, as soon as Prince William was born, he was born into the role of being king. So the MC and Jupiter in the 12th house, he's born into an institution. So the 12th house is also the area of the chart that relates to institutions, whether it's banks, whether it's monasteries, or whether it's a family institution. So his destiny is shown quite clearly that it's he's born into an institution and his fate is sealed in that institution. 
he was <clears throat> he was born on a waning eclipse cycle according yeah. to bernadette mm -hmm. brady so um what do you suppose about that well both he and um and harry kate, or, and kate. I, oh and kate right yeah. they're the same age yeah not harry but, kate yeah but kate i think she she's also sort of, yeah on the not on the eclipse cycle that he was born into hang on well where's the nodes where's the nodes in his chart cancer yeah so she too was born on the eclipse cycle because she's capricorn yeah yeah same eclipse cycle yeah capricorn cancer and she yes. she is a capricorn they have their sons are in, in opposite signs yeah so yeah fascinating well um in terms of like the rest of the year like how do you see this this obviously it's very clear that this change is upon us with with the you know royal family power structure and like how how does that what do you feel that represents for the collective whether you're a, 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 a resident of the uk or just the fact that they have this has been such this long-lasting like you said taurus scorpio this fixed long-lasting institution and that now that this these eclipses are doing their thing you know what do, what do you see for uh, the collective well when when we look at the eclipse cycles we have to look back at what's gone before but also with eclipses the effects of an eclipse last as many years as there's totality but the period of the effects of the eclipse will only start after a certain time frame. So we go back to the fact that for an eclipse to be considered important, it would have to be visible. So if an eclipse, so the eclipse would fall in between the 12th to the seventh houses, so in the upper hemisphere. So if the eclipse fell in houses 12 to 11 to 10, then that eclipse, the effects would be felt a month or a couple of months or three months after the eclipse happened. If the eclipse is sort of the 11th, 10th, 9th bracket, it's going to be four to six or seven months. And then if it's from the 9th to the 7th, it could be almost a year later that the effects of that particular eclipse cycle will be felt Active reading. with a, with a lunar eclipse it's a matter of months as opposed to years right. and um, so it's the lunar eclipse that is the most potent for the uk that connects directly with all members of the royal family and using this technique called zodiacal releasing princess anne prince andrew prince edward prince charles prince william and prince george they all have a fixed sign in the zodiacal releasing between the 16th to the 20th 21st of june which is when we enter the cancer ingress and this is likely to be when the effects of the lunar eclipse will start to show so i think i think we'll have a nice run up to the cancer ingress and the cancer ingress looks quite nice in itself but it's when we get to the Libra ingress, but we won't we won't sully today's chat with looking at the Libra ingress because it's um, yeah it we won't go there. But so I think events Maybe for another time. Another time, yeah. So events for the UK. We've we know we've got the Platinum and Jubilee celebrations coming up. I think it's the first and second of June or. 2nd to the 4th of June. Right, um, 75th anniversary. Yeah, so I think then that we will we will have a nice time as a country. And I think that will generate some good feeling to get people through. Because when you're looking at 
the likelihood of events for the year for each country, you look at something called the Aries Ingress. So that's when the sun hits naught degrees Aries around about the 20th, 21st of March. And you look at that chart and that gives you the indications, A, for the whole year, then for the half year, then for the quarters. And then you look, you put each sun, you do your sun sign astrology, the sun goes into each sign, each solar ingress. And that's how you work out what's going to be a good month, what's going to be a bad month. Well, we know looking at the Aries ingress for the UK is different for America. Um, we have two degrees Virgo rising. So the portents, the moon is at 29 Libra. So she's on the very last degree, just about to fall into Scorpio. So we know that the portents for the people's assets are going to be very poor, but yeah, that's, that's global. That's again, we come back to common sense and uh, we don't need the astrology to tell us, but it's when the astrology shows us what's going on, there's no getting away from it. So um, yeah, and undoubtedly because the Queen is an important figurehead globally. When she hangs up her crown, for whatever reason, whether it's that Prince Charles becomes regent in June, um, or she hangs up her crown for good, um, it's going to have a global impact because she really is a remarkable woman and we will never ever see anybody with that dedication that steadfast loyalty to her position and to her country and to the people of the world we'll never have that again i mean prince you know prince charles <clears throat> was ahead of his time he was into global warming he was talking to the trees we now know that trees talk to each other so trees do talk it, to each other. Yeah, it's yeah, Prince, <laughs> Prince Charles was 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 ahead of his time. He was derided and laughed at and lampooned. But actually his heart for the earth was always in the right place. His heart for ecology and conservation, which was in from his father, was conservation. And preservation of the of the wildlife of our world he has a lot yeah he has def definitely done a lot with the environmental um yeah and and then you think about venus and escort the the eclipses in taurus taurus and scorpio and you think about the environment and the earth i mean i know we're just kind of veering away from i i'm just moving to to look at the elements you know you've got water you've got earth and water now that you you know you say that about Venus and Scorpio and uh, and the environment, you know I know that's a, another aside from the royal family, you know, and that big change, you know, coming. Um, I see this too with the um, the resources of our planet. You know, our our planet is so fragile. We've seen these horrific wildfires and things, and fire season, and the global warming, and mm. all of that, and taking its toll. And I I feel like these eclipses are you know mother nature is saying hey you know what you, you've got to wake up we, we can't go on like this this you know self-gratification if you think about venus like hedon the hedonistic pursuit you know for one's pleasure it's like you know is wrecking the environment yeah yeah yes it, it is it is all change globally for everyone yeah and again something that isn't often spoken about but is astrologically related is the sun cycle and the cycle of sunspots sunspots and, yeah. and the sun's been behaving erratically now we don't influence the sun the sun influences us but it's the solar flares we've had have been unprecedented in the number and the ferocity directed towards earth at this time and just sort of going back a bit when they set up the stock exchanges, it, it was predicated on the sunspot cycle, which is 11 stroke 22 years, because it during that 
11 years, it then flips and does something else, which- I didn't know that. Wow. Which, the stock market it, was set up according to- <clears throat> Well, it was the wheat prices. It was wheat, wheat and pork right. bellies were the right. main commodities. And it was noticed that every 11 years, the, there would be an increase and then there would be a fall. And so you can either correlate it with the Jupiter cycle of 11.88 years. Right, the Jupiter cycle. And now we've got, well, from Galileo to see the sunspots and actually plot these sunspots going across the sun that we can see on our side. And then they disappear. So the sun's been being very naughty for the last 22 <laughs> years. Very Not naughty. Being... <laughs> I love you UK astrologers calling the sun naughty. <laughs> it's been naughty. Well, what's now what's going to happen with the solar eclipse and oh my goodness. Yeah, Taurus and Scorpio, naughty a change in maybe the naughtiness is is racked up 10 notches or or um, maybe it's us that's being naughty. <laughs> you know, I think it, it has been it's just been this <clears throat> profligate use of resources and this rapacious demand. And I, I think too about Venus and, and uh, being, you know, consumer goods and consuming and consumption. And it's like, when does that ever stop? That where our whole economy is based upon consumption. How, how can it stop? Because although globally we're theoretically going green, Going green actually means raping the earth for these very rare minerals, destroying loads of land to get rare minerals to power these lithium batteries and things. It's like, yeah, there's a flip. We've, yeah. we've got to think of something else. Else. Yeah. And uh, whether or not we just go back to living in stick houses, going off the grid, feels going good. off grid, wearing wearing sheepskin coats and trousers. <laughs> <laughs> trousers. <laughs> what will happen to our bone china, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll have to carry it in a little sack on our back carefully. Right. Our little, uh, right. And, the, and I think too about the food supply, you know, the, these eclipses could certainly be, um, I think they're definitely speaking to that too, with Venus ruling the, you know, it's about food and, well, it, it is, and even, Money, you know. even without that ghastly situation going on in Europe, um, it, that's that's the breadbasket. There's, bread there's going to be a lot of food poverty. I, I go, this is talking about me, which is not the purpose of our chat, but I go on a foraging walk every Tuesday with a group of people and we go and we find where the weeds are growing in profusion. So they're called weeds, but they're flowers just in the wrong place. And a lot of the weeds have so many good properties in them. And so we're going out marking sort of in our own local area where we can find natural food because once once we can't get the avocados in in our supermarkets yeah we've got to find something else foraging yeah that's become such a big thing now and i think too these eclipse cycles are showing us you know look into other resources be flexible let go of that rigidity of that things have to be a certain certainly our comfort zone getting upended and having to be resourceful well, this is why I think this first eclipse, this solar eclipse with Venus sitting with Jupiter is, is actually going to be beneficial in some way that we won't see immediately. We'll see it further down the line. Um, I mean, this eclipse is only visible in Antarctica and, and the far tip of South America. Right. So maybe right. South America, Antarctica will, will provide us with consumer goods, food, who knows? We'll have to look elsewhere yeah, to gratify to our senses. Yeah. And maybe how we gratify ourselves has to radically change too. You know, maybe we need to get away from comfort food. Maybe our comfort's going to be in another, you know, place. That, that's what comes to me, but yeah. 
Yeah, so I think I'm going to have to find my comfort in dandelion leaves and no longer in chocolate because chocolate will become such a rare commodity. And that's my that's my go-to drug is chocolate. I love chocolate, yeah. <laughs> oh, from chocolate, dandelion, <laughs> woo! You know, <laughs> welcome to the eclipses, right? <laughs> Look at this comfort food. <laughs> Eating greens, bitter <laughs> <Yeah>. greens. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, it's good for the liver. Yes. Dandelion. Yes healthy yes we have to look to health dandelion yes. very good for the liver cleansing the liver yeah hey anyway so yeah thank you so much this has been a, a fun talk and i'm so grateful for your time well i i'm absolutely delighted to uh, chat with you it's it's great fun and to chat with somebody who understands traditional astrology as well because you've got a very very good or you've had a very very good um tutor I, I know quite a few of his students and I have to yeah. say yeah I'm I'm delighted that uh, he's turning out such good conscientious lovely lovely students oh I mean it's not to say other other schools aren't <laughs> right. but uh, but from a traditional perspective it's it's gratifying to see that in in England there's quite a few going through his school, so I'm delighted about that on a selfish level. You're right. Yeah, I I think it's the next big thing. This it, it's huge to rediscover traditional, and I, it's just going to get more and more. You know, it's like we we all have to go back to those roots. Those roots are outrageous. So yeah, and I, I really, I'm so grateful to Achuta because um, I know I feel like I got a world-class education yes, in, um, yes. in, in traditional astrology and Hellenistic, yeah, is like, and um, yeah, so very, and it's the gift that keeps on giving. So uh, I, I it just, I'm sorry, what? I said, it does, yes, it does yeah. keep giving. Yeah, a new generation arriving and with, you know going back to those roots and <clears throat> bringing that forward feels really good that, the only thing i'm disappointed about is the lack of the younger people studying with accredited schools there's so many it seems that they're going on the internet and studying but they're not doing it in the depth that you've done it that i've done it it's, well, I think it's changing now. I think more people, to me, it's almost like with yoga, the way yoga was very fringe in the, you know, in the 60s, only hippies did yoga in 70s. And then the 80s, it started getting more traction. And nowadays, it's like, everybody gets, go, not everybody, but, you know, the whole notion of schools, whole, everybody started offering all these um, certification programs. And so it got a lot more, you know, grounded in, a, in, a, in an actual study and, yeah. and a, you know, organized disciplines study with certification. And I think that that's kind of where we're going with astrology. Hopefully, I mean, the Association of Professional Astrologers International, I think we've got 19 or 23 schools registered with us now. Well, going back to when it was set up 35 years ago, I think, um, there was only three schools. Yeah. So there, there is the desire to train people, but it's getting the young people to recognise that actually going to a professional astrologer, an astrologer with many years and a, a proven work under their belt, is going to be so beneficial. Um, as one of my friends, he wrote a drew a terrific meme of someone going to a dentist, um, like in the old days, you know, just yank out your tooth. And he, he said, "Would you go to somebody who just sets them up as a dent, sells up as a dentist, or would you go to a qualified dentist? Well, <laughs> you don't want the pain; you want to go to the qualified dentist." Right, so right. Uh, yeah, yeah, hopefully, hopefully there'll be more awareness of astrology to come out from being a fringe to being like the yoga or even vegetarianism. That was a fringe thing. And now, it's and now we've got vegetarian restaurants, thank goodness, here, there and everywhere. Yeah. Even yeah, in France. Even in France, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Tory in France. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. All right. Well, um, so just to reiterate, so where people can find you is the, your uh, the website for the traditional. It's, yeah, um, it's astrologersharon.co.uk. And that's my my email is astrologersharon at aol.com. Astrologersharon at aol.com. Yeah, I think, yes, just astrologer Sharon. That, hopefully that finds me. They can or yeah. look on the APAI website, Association of Professional Astrologers website. Right, www.professionalastrologers.co.uk. Yeah. yeah, awesome. Thank you, Sharon. It's been great. And uh, yeah, we, and we'll, we could, um, you know, perhaps in the future, you know, talk more about as this unfolds, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how these, when and how these changes unroll and watching them and yeah all right well all right uh yeah I'm, and i wish you a, 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 a an outrageous eclipse season um <laughs> with all good things new, new beginnings Likewise. yeah all right everybody well that has been episode 160 of star sound speaks and um thank you all for listening um Irliana samsara star sound astrology star sound speaks we'll see you all next time thanks again bye for now Bye.